Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Offside Rule podcast. You can listen online at offsiderulepodcast.com and on the website, the winners from last week's competition, we gave away 10 pairs of tickets to see England women. They're all announced on there, so thank you if you entered. We'll crack on with what's coming up in today's podcast. So first of all, our first topic, my home. After penning a new contract with Real Madrid, Cristiano Ronaldo described Manchester United as his past and Real Madrid as is home. Mm. I'm going to ask both girls, and I'll reveal who's in the studio with me in just a second, uh, to choose any player from the Football League who you could apply that same ethic. So a player who made their name at one club but settled at another. Uh, Second topic is no money back guarantee needed. We saw lots of players in the top flight playing in the Premier League over the weekend who'd had big money moves during the transfer window. But how did they get on? And has it sparked us to remember some other debut performances that went down very well over recent years? And We'll also talk blushing pains. Uh, This is to do with Arsenal's injury list, which just keeps on growing. Uh, Giroud and Cazorla, the latest casualty as well. Over the years, there have been some bizarre injuries picked up by footballers. We'll talk about the best of those. We'll have Faker Others with Twitter Topic of the Week. And Lord James will round up everything League One from what's been happening in France. But it's time to welcome in the studio a brand new person. We've got Hayley McQueen in, as usual. Hello. But Kate's away this week, so we have Sam Johnson. Hello, Sam. Hi. <laughs> Sam, you are the face of Sun Sport now, so tell us what you're doing. Gosh, that sounds quite scary when you say it like that. Um, at the moment, I am uh, working for the Sun Online, so I work for the Sun FC, which is a morning bulletin show, and it's going really well. I'm really enjoying it. And you can watch all the goals now, can't you, on your yeah, exactly. laptop? So, yeah, get that uh, Sun Plus Goals app, and you can watch it. It's near live. What's the story? Have you met anyone interesting oh, so far? Yeah. Um, the other week, Samuel Letu came in, and that was completely un- unexpected because I went in a little bit early just for a meeting, and then I just heard, oh, yeah, Samuel Letu's for, he's in for an interview. And he is such a gentleman, and his entourage was lovely as well it was just quite quite an experience they they have entourages now don't they these are like Hollywood film stars these boys these days he had a really good circle of people around him and you normally hear the stories like hangers on and they get a bit I don't know diva-ish not necessarily the player but his entourage but it wasn't like that at all Really I'm glad you described him as a gentleman. I'm wondering yes. who, who you've regarded as a gentleman, Hayley. Not just anyone, <laughs> footballers. There are more gentlemen in the game than you think. Mm. And I think they sometimes get a bad rep. And people say, oh, if, if you meet a young lad now, I want to be a footballer. You just kind of roll your eyes and oh, yeah, whatever. And you think of them with their little diamond stud in his ear. But actually, most of them do it for the love of the game. And they're not in it for the money. The money just happens to come. And sometimes if it comes when you're too young, it can go to your head. And you do become a bit of a diva. But I probably would. If I was 18, 19, 20 years old and suddenly given tens of thousands of pounds a week and being cheered on by tens of thousands of people in a stadium, it is going to go to your head a little bit. You also think as well the people you hear about in the circles, the inner circles of football, when you hear good reputation, usually that means that they are gentlemen. Um, Frank Lampard being an example, I I met him once many years ago, I've not met him recently, Uh, but I always hear good things about Frank Lampard from press and journalists. It's interesting. 
The female take on football. We'll go on to our topic number one, which for this one is my home. Um, I thought, Hayley, you'd like this one, being Manchester United fan, Cristiano Ronaldo. At one point, we thought he might return to the Premier League, but evidently that's not happened. He's penned a new contract with Real Madrid. And not only that, but to add insult to injury, I think this quote is quite scathing, really, towards Manchester United, because he says, well, Manchester United is my past and Real Madrid is now my home. I mean, first of all, what was your reaction to that? I don't know. I, I, I know that Manchester United were interested in having him back. Um, how much it would have cost them, who knows. But I think as a player like that, when David Moyes comes into the club and you have X amount of money to spend and you think you might be losing Wayne Rooney, one of your key players, why not get Cristiano back? He was loved by um, most of the fans and we've seen him go and we always thought, mm, he's never going to do what he did in that season at Manchester United, particularly his last season where he won all his awards and scored 42 goals and it was just quite you know, unbelievable, literally. Yet he's gone on and done exactly the same at Real Madrid, if not better. He hasn't achieved the silverware yet. So maybe thinking he's going to stay there. And instead of going back to Manchester United and picking up silverware with the club he's already done it with, he's going to bide his time, stay with Real Madrid and try and win silverware with a different club in a different way. You have to take into consideration his partner. He has children now or a child. He's got family there. He's obviously just settled, but it is a bit of a shame. Do you think he would have gone back if um, Fergie was still there? I think he would have, but that's just my personal opinion. I really do think he would have. And I think if anybody's going to talk Cristiano Ronaldo going back to Manchester United he's probably the only person to do it. He maybe sees it as less desirable with David Moyes there. I don't think of it like that. I'm really enjoying David Moyes as Manchester United manager and think it'd be nice to give him a bit of a chance. But I think you're right, Sam. What we do know is his future's now firmly in Spain. So it's made us think about other players that have made their name at one club but then have gone on to another. And that's where we really associate them as having a home. Um, And there are many, many players we could apply this to, but I've asked you to choose one each. We'll start... I won't be cruel to you, Sam. We'll start with Hayley. (laughs) We'll start with Hayley. Okay, I've gone for a player that wasn't just at one club and was loved by the fans and then moved to another, a two-club man. I've gone for a player who came to the, the Premier League, the Premiership, at the age of 30 years old. He's Italian. He's absolutely loved in Italy. And he came over here at 30 years old, not as a player just to come and take a bit of money and play for Chelsea for a couple of years. He actually stayed and plied his trade in the Premier League with Chelsea for seven years after that. He was absolutely loved by Chelsea fans. He'd played for Torres, Napoli and Parma. It was Gianfranco Zola. So in 1996, lots of foreign players. Everyone loves Zola. Lots of players were were coming over to Chelsea because Ruud Hullet was in charge. Uh, They snapped him up for £4.5 million in 1996. He made his debut against Blackburn. Had a wonderful debut season, put in... um, Lots of great performances. Had a wonderful run in the Cup as well, the FA Cup, where they beat Middlesbrough in the final. My hometown team (laughs) and scored goals aplenty on the way to getting there. But it's nice to see foreign players coming here and calling England home. He obviously loves London. He came back after um, finishing his career in uh, Cagliari. He said he wanted to go back and play just one last season in Italy. He actually played two there, so at nearly 40 years old, he played a couple of seasons in his uh, twilight years 
years and then decided to take a bit of time out, come back, manage West Ham. And even though West Ham and Chelsea, big sort of cross-London rivals, he's still loved. He's still loved now by Chelsea fans, even though he's at Watford. Bit of a strange season last season when he brought in a lot of foreign players, maybe too many for the likes of the FA at the moment and for those people who are wanting to see lots of the young English players come up. They have a very famous academy, of course, at Watford. And he brought in a lot of foreign players. But I think things are settled for him this season now. He's bringing in lots more British players, a couple of Irish and English boys there. I just think people still love him. He was just a little genius. And it's great to have players who've come over here, played and haven't just scampered back off to the country that they call home, but stay in England because they do love it and they love Britain. And I like to think of him as one of our own. He wasn't just loved by Chelsea fans. I think he was loved by football fans. And he is one of the gentlemen of the game, Lindsay Hooper. And one of the many shorter football players that goes to show you don't have to have height to be a great footballer. Um, my dad's favourite player, actually, Zola. Sam, who have you got for us? I'm going to keep it local. I'm a Midlands girl. I'm from Birmingham. Hi. Hey, from me. I'm going to say uh, Dwight York. So spent almost a decade um, at Aston Villa, made 232 appearances, scored 73 goals and won the League Cup with us as well. But as the, the game goes, um, someone came along, uh, turned his head, some club called Manchester United. As she glances at Hayley across the room. Oh, give me daggers. I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm quite philosophical about players leaving you know, clubs and going to another, especially if they've you know, spent a good 10 years with us. But it's how you do it. And I don't mind if you do it in a classy way. And he did. He actually went to Doug Ellis's, um house and spoke to him about it. And I think, OK, you've got to have some big owners to actually go up to Dudley Doug and, you know, say, you know, I would like to go. And I actually respect him for that. And I suppose Doug's a businessman. You know, he's not going to, you know, shout or rant or rave about it. He can see a good deal when it's there. What went wrong with this is when... Um, John Gregory actually said, um, if I had a gun in my office, I would have shot him. And I'm thinking, OK, that's not really... A bit much. That's a little bit much. You just think, OK, let's keep it classy here. But again, it went into the press and it was a big uh, furore. But yeah, so he joined United, probably had one of the best um, debuts and the best first season. He won the treble, um, struck up a legendary partnership with Andy slash Andrew Cole. And... Um, yeah, he became like the top goal scorer in that season. So I don't mind if you leave the villa and then you come a, become a legend somewhere else. You're going to be remembered for that. You're going to be regarded as a legend. Please, Ashley Young, take note. You want to be remembered for something good, <laughs> like winning leagues and being a classic, being a gentleman on the pitch. Just take note. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very good word of warning there. He's just lost it, hasn't he? Yes, he's, you know, won the league. Congratulations, but at the end of the day, you want to be remembered for being a great player and all this controversy around him. It's not doing him any good. Um, back to your Dwight York pick, though. Great player for a two-club. Yeah. You do. You just think Villa and Manchester United, don't you? He's still a legend there. And it kind of hurts you. Is that Villa, though? That's where he made his name. But fair play to him. I feel like that about a few Wolves players, but they're definitely not two-club players. They go and they're proper journeymen like Robbie Keane. <laughs> Oh, yeah, um, he says, oh, I've always dreamed about being at this club and going to that club, but hey, home. Yeah. We have got a one-man club, though, at, at oh. Wolves. Yeah. Steve Ball, of course. Um, OK, I'll, say, I'll tell you mine then. I chose Oli Gunnar Solskjaer because he made his name and he was put on everyone's radars after a successful spell at Norwegian club Molde. 
Uh, in his first season there, he actually scored 20 goals. That was back in 1995. And then he went to score 31 goals in 38 matches, which led to lots of interest from around Europe and around the world. Um, Hamburg and um, Italian club um, Cagliari, Everton, Manchester City, they were all in to try and get his services. But we all know where he ended up. He went to Manchester United, his home. Uh, he was the only striker... <laughs> Uh, he was the only striker to move there in 1996, even though the club was chasing another high-profile striker, who I'll come on to in just a second. But he ended up with a tw- number 20 shirt. He scored six minutes into his debut against Blackburn Rovers. And then, just to fast-forward a bit, we all know what happened next. He scored crucial goals for Manchester United over 10 seasons and 91 goals later is somewhat of a hero at Old Trafford. Went on to manage the reserves as well. But one of his most impressive feats, I think, during his whole time was when he came off the bench against Nottingham Forest, scored four goals in like 12 minutes uh, in an 8-1 victory. And it was just pretty impressive. That's super sub to the hilt, isn't it? Um, But all things come full circle. And I want to give Hayley, as a Manchester United fan, after the Ronaldo quote, a bit of hope. Because Cristiano Ronaldo, he might have said that Madrid's his home. But what did Ole Gunnar Solskjaer do? He went back to Molde and now he's managing them and has got consecutive title wins over in Norway. So maybe Ronaldo will turn manager one day? No. No, definitely. It'll be fashion designer or just a God knows what. Who knows? Um, But the other high-profile striker, I think it's worth mentioning because he's also fits this bill, is Alan Shearer. Now, he was the the striker that Manchester United at the time were after. And, of course, we think of him, we know that he plied his trade at Blackburn Rovers. Um, It was the year that they got runners-up trophy and then they went on and pit Manchester United to the title. It was PFA Player of the Year. We know all the accolades he got at, at Blackburn. And then he chose to move to Newcastle United. Nine seasons at the club, Little injury prone throughout that spell, but 303 appearances in total and scored 148 goals. That's a pretty good record, isn't it? And I think the fact that there's a statue out the front, they had a um, a tribute to him where they they actually had a game against Celtic, which was his testimonial. Um, And he broke Jackie Milbourne's 49-year record at the club. So he will go down in Newcastle folklore. And I think Newcastle would regard it as home. Yeah, I tell you what, that links in very nicely. There's a man from the northeast who links us all in, and probably I think I know I've already made my claims for Gianfranco Zola as being the player in this section, but just spring to mind, of course, Brian Robson from the northeast, but made his name at West Brom. Was there from 1974 to 81. He was an absolute legend. There, 198 appearances, 40 goals, and then went to Manchester United for pretty much the rest of his career before finishing in Middlesbrough. Of course, he did well at all of those clubs went on to manage Middlesbrough. So kind of, again, did that full circle thing where you go back to a club that you played and that you manage. But again, he's loved by the West Brom fans and they will call him their hero. But Manchester United, he is theirs, if you know what I mean. Captain Marvel. Breaking news, everyone. Stand by your beds. This is Jim White. You can download the Offside Rule podcast this very day. Our next topic is to do with debuts because we had the summer transfer window and we got to see a lot of the big money moves over the weekend and how they would settle into life in the Premier League. Um, Meza Ozil had an assist on his on his debut. Great buy for Arsenal, I think. And, um, and also we saw that Gareth Bale scored on his debut for Real Madrid. So it just got us thinking about debut performances over recent years and the most memorable and brilliant ones. And if you're feeling brave, Sam, should we go with you first? For me, I lust after this player. 
Um, not, in, not in the way that you may, may think. I just, I admire him so much. It's one matter. He came to Chelsea uh, in 2007 from Valencia for £23.5 million. And that money is well spent. He is such a creative player i love him i have to say i lust him in sort of the other way as well a little okay, bit yeah <laughs> he's only little though he's tiny yeah, so little boy he's got a lovely face <laughs> anyway. he's lovely Martina. he's lovely i mean he's such a creative player for chelsea i i really hope Mourinho uses him i really do i mean he has had 48 assists in all competitions since he's joined chelsea and he made a brilliant debut against Norwich on in August 2011. And he came on as a substitute and scored. And it's not just the debut that matters to me. It's the fact of what he's done after. And I really hope that he has a really big future. I think right. until Ozil's arrival in the Premier League as well, during the summer transfer window, I'd have said that Matter would have been the player to have the most assists yeah. by the end of the season. That might be under jeopardy now, especially because he doesn't seem to be in as favour. Yeah. Yeah. He's not first choice anymore. It's a shame because Chelsea need him. They want him. The fans love him. He's brilliant. He's intelligent as well. I mean, yeah, he's small, but he's just cute. Everyone loves Matt. He's, he's like the next Zola, isn't he? <laughs> this is a small footballer <laughs> loving today. It is. It is. He's brilliant. I, this is what I mean. I lust after him and... If you want to come to Philly, you can do, my love. Just if you're just putting it out there. I'm going to go with Jermaine Defoe because he scored on nearly all of his debuts. Mm-hmm. He scored for West Ham on their debut. He scored for Spurs on both occasions when he came back to Spurs as well and Portsmouth and the England under-21s. He's something of a debut goal scorer. Um I'd like to say, I mean, the thing with Jermaine Defoe, I think he's a very underrated striker. I think he he deserves more starts um, for Spurs, and I don't know why they somebody doesn't take faith with him as their like starting number eleven sort and of player. For England as well. I wish he got more starts for England. Like you said, he uh, he is underrated, but he can do the job. I don't understand why. And it's what he's thirty now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, in my head, I'm still thinking he's a lot younger, but he can do the job. I just wish he. Yeah, got a bit of a look in. Well, I mean, let's talk about his current club in Spurs. So when he made his first debut, he arrived at Tottenham back in 2004 and he got a goal. It was a 4-3 home win over Portsmouth, which was a former club of his. And then you fast forward to 2008, 2009, when he rejoined them. He made his debut in in January 2009 and it was against Wigan, scored his first goal against against them as well. And it was just one of those performances that I think got all football fans thinking, why isn't someone playing this player more regularly? Um, The only team, by the way, that he has played for that he didn't score on the debut was Bournemouth. Um, And that's the only one. But I think if we're talking about someone that goes and scores for lots of teams on their debut, we have to mention, although this isn't in recent years, we're going much further back, but Jimmy Greaves, who scored on his debut for Chelsea, AC Milan, Tottenham, West Ham and England. Brilliant. I don't think he'll have anyone that beats that. That, that is quite sublime, isn't it? Wow. How do you follow that? Well, my story hasn't quite come to an end. This boy is still here doing his thing. Fairly new to the Premier League, but he's a season or so in. It's Sergio Aguero. I've gone from Manchester Hi. City player. Aguero. Yeah. So Sergio Aguero um, didn't actually start in his first ever game came off the bench after 60 minutes. It was against Swansea and he absolutely gave them the runaround. He came on for 30 minutes and what an impact he made on his debut. You think, oh yes, he's got it in the blood. Not quite. Remember a journalist in a paper was quoted a footballer saying, oh, 
um, yeah, well, he's uh, definitely going to do something, this boy. He's got it in the blood because his uh, father-in-law is Maradona, of course. No, that's his wife's dad. <laughs> it's not in the blood, is it? But yes, it, really <laughs> it will continue in the blood. Yeah, when they when they continue to have kids. But yes, yeah, so he came in. This is the son-in-law of uh, Maradona. So he's going to be doing good things. Sergio Aguero just had an absolutely sublime debut and actually had a wonderful season which ended with that famous goal against QPR and he was there when they won the title and had a great time underneath uh, Mancini. His appearance definitely worth the wait after that 60 minutes because what did he do? He scored twice and set up another and that was a 4-0 victory over at Swansea. Just at 23 years old he is as well so you knew that there was plenty more years to come from him. I thought he was a little bit older than that, maybe 26, a bit more established Argentinian but he's been doing you know magic things on the pitch since a very very young age he'd said as well when he tweeted very happy with my debut for City hopefully the start of something big thank you to my teammates and the fans for their support and yes what did he do he went on and continued to do something very big indeed and lift the Premier League trophy Lovely stuff. Um, well, we're going to take a break now and get our Twitter topic of the week update from Faker Brothers. Now, last week we ran a competition to win 10 pairs of tickets to the England versus Belarus game for England women uh, that's happening this weekend. Um, that was all courtesy of Vauxhall England. So we've got the winners and we've also got Faye with this week's topic and your responses. Here she is. Twitter topic of the week. So thank you for all your tweets on which England footballer, man or woman you would like to be and why. We had some great responses. There can only be 10 winners, though. So congratulations to Kelly Holmes, Emma Louise, Kirsten Potter, who picked Karen Carney, Phil Burbage, who went for Wayne Rooney because he wants to be paid 500 grand for having two weeks off in the Algarve. Lindsay Jones, Anna Louise Adams, who said that Alan Shearer was her choice for being the most prolific goal scorer with the most boring celebration. Uh, AFC Phoenix as well. Mark, who chose David Nugent. Dale Thomason and Claire Fraz, who chose Faye White. Because I wouldn't take that penalty, she says. Thanks again to all of you who sent in your answers and congratulations again to the winners. Quickly, let's turn to this... This week's Twitter topic of the week. No prizes this time, just for fun. Uh, we've been asking you about your favourite football comebacks after Bristol Academy's incredible performance against Doncaster Bells coming back from 3-0 down at half-time to win 4-3 and take the title race to the final day in the FAWSL. Nick Whitaker tweeted us at Offside Rule Pod. Not a Man City fan, but their 4-3 FA Cup triumph with 10 men over Tottenham has to take the biscuit. They were losing 3-0 at half-time. Leeds fan Rich Jowett says Leeds 4, Derby 3. We were 3-0 down and came back with Lee Bowyer scoring the winner. Hannah Ellen says Chelsea's entire Champions League campaign in 2011-12. Napoli, Barca, Bayern, etc. And Manchester United fan Allen says New Camp, 26th of May 1999. The occasion, the timing, the significance, the treble, he says. Nuff said. Thanks for all your tweets. We'll be back with another topic for you next week. I am Darren Goff, and you're listening, believe it or not, to three gorgeous women talking about football. Now, football and women. I'll leave it with you. Thank you very much, Faye. Topic three now, and this is all to do with bizarre injuries. Now, poor Arsenal, poor Arsene Wenger, he brings in Ozil, spends a record amount of money for that for the club, and... 
suddenly everything else starts falling apart, doesn't it? Giroud's injured, Cazorla added to the long list of names. So what it did was make me think about um, injuries over the years. And I thought, we always have a bit of a laughing topic three. So it can't just be normal injuries. We want the most bizarre injuries, the freak injuries, things that happened that we want to have a bit of a chuckle about. Because it's we can now. Um, so I will start with Hayley. Arsenal fan Steve Morrow. Morrow, yes. There we go. So Morrow was a player who scored a very important goal on the way to Arsenal getting to the FA Cup final and winning it. He didn't play in that FA Cup final. Despite scoring a goal, gave Arsenal a League Cup win over Sheffield Wednesday. That was at Wembley back in 1993. He celebrated fell off Tony Adams' shoulders and was so injured, that was it for him. Imagine that. All the glory, all the excitement, scoring a goal, going on to win the FA Cup or going on to win any kind of League Cup as well, and he hurt himself badly. He broke his collarbone and you implied there that it was his celebration. The, The memory that I have, or certainly things that I read about it around the time, I think, wasn't it Tony Adams' fault? Wasn't it, I don't think he had much yeah. say in this celebration. Yeah. I think Tony Adams hauled him up in the air yeah. and then dropped him. He hoisted him up onto his shoulders. This was the League Cup winner, of course, and hoisted him up. That was it. Great, having a great cup run. They were going to go and put him in the FA Cup side as well and go on and win the cup. But no, that was it. After the League Cup, that was pretty much a season over because naughty Tony Adams got a bit carried away with Mr Morrow <laughs> and he fell down and hurt himself. Sam, um, it's not an injury per se, but when I heard the story I thought okay I want to applaud you for being so honest (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time I'm thinking just you should keep that to yourself the reason he's given or he gave for his many injuries um, while at AC Milan was because he was having too much sex (laughs) now I like to keep things behind closed doors I will make up an excuse so does he well, (laughs) well maybe not I, we don't know, but he uh, gave an interview to um, Vanity Fair and I don't know if he was joking or if it was actually, you know, that's the real reason. But yeah, he came out and said the reason why I've um, been injured so much. I mean, if you saw his girlfriend, I'm thinking, OK, fair dues. But it's, yeah, that's the reason. I mean, I've had a good look at, you know, the injury list, like the bizarre injury list. And the more you look, the weirder it gets. And it seems like the less you do, the more you're going to get injured. But this one, it seems like... The more you, you do, the more you do, the more you're going to get injured. So, yeah, I, that one really stood out for me. I feel like that's the Michael Douglas moment of the Offside Rule <laughs> podcast there. And Sam, that is going to be credited to you forevermore. <laughs> um, I, I went with my Norwegian theme on this one. Um, I mentioned Ole Gunnar Solskjaer earlier and this is going to be a player that no one really knows about I don't think but it was from the 1970s I don't of course know about this happening at the time it's something that I've read and done a bit of research on but a player called Svein Grondelen um, a Norwegian international was forced to miss a game for his country after being the victim of a hit and run with a stray moose when he went for a run he collided with a moose the moose hit him boffed him one he can't play how do you hit like, how do you hit a moose? I think he was confusing himself with a bull, basically. And and you're going for a morning run and you're just thinking, you know, keeping healthy, doing what the boss oh. says, you know, keeping my fitness levels up. Maybe. Poor Grundelin. Wow. <laughs> the Alex Stepney jaw dislocation. Oh. Yes. Because I just think it's so funny. Imagine a Manchester United goalkeeper who is bellowing to his players so hard, 
giving orders from the back of the field that he actually dislocates his jaw. This was a, in a match against Birmingham City, which I can completely understand. Well, Birmingham yeah, City. Yeah, um, you would want to shout at all your players to get some rougher tackles in, I'm guessing. But um, Alex Stepney, jaw dislocation. Goalkeepers, when you do the searches on the internet for this, goalkeepers come up more often than not because they're all absolutely mental. That is a fact. Mine is actually a very tough player who was involved in a hit and run. Really sad story this. You're mentioning the hit and run with a moose. This one was a hit and run by a three-year-old toddler on a tricycle. That's right. David Batty, former Leeds and Blackburn man, he injured his Achilles tendon, had had to turn up. To... Poor Sam, the little face looked in horror who's been hit what happened what happened did they catch this terrible criminal who hit and run I was just about to say it was just like a downturn in the mood there I was thinking oh no there's actually been a proper hit and run no okay yes tricycle one so he was out playing with his daughter in the back garden presumably and um, she just got a bit carried away and just ran over him yeah there you go (laughs) as we know in football as well feet Funny things, metatarsals, funny things. They yeah. can get broken just by looking at them, I think. Well, that more or less wraps things up for us. But Lord James has got a roundup of all things League One for us. Here's Law. Thank you, ladies, and bonjour. Nobody has quite got out of jail like the French national team lately, scoring their first goal after a 526-minute drought against Belarus last week. Ex-Montpellier man Olivier Giroud is still looking like a masterful player in the Premier League after a first full season with Arsenal, but he's also sparkled for Les Bleus. More than could be said for Spurs keeper Hugo Lloris, however, who still looks a little rough around the edges in French eyes. Paris Saint-Germain and Monaco, the only two sides still unbeaten this season, take one another at Parc de Prince this Sunday night in what's dubbed as El Cachico. Perhaps, however, money doesn't always talk. While £51 million star Falcao has lifted Monaco to the top of the table, Javier Pastore, who cost PSG over £30 million in 2011, has fallen out of Laurent Blanc's new 4-3-3 system. Falcao and other top goal machines in Ligue 1, Ibrahimovic and Cavani, may be tweaking their own cylinders to keep up with one Kevin Barrigot of Evian for the French Golden Boot. He's a former car mechanic who was sacked from the family garage once, but is now joint top with five goals. Finally, L'Equipe couldn't settle on just 11 players for its 11 Ligue 1 of the weekend feature, so France's biggest sports journal appeared to rewrite its own rules and picked 12 in a wonderfully indulgent... Four six one. Thank you very much, Law, and we'll have another roundup next week. Thank you very much for listening to podcast number six. I do have a bit of a plea, by the way. There are the football blogging awards going on, and we would love to win for best football podcast. So if you've enjoyed this podcast and any of our others, all you need to do is tweet if you're on Twitter um, that you would vote for us at the FBAs as best football podcast. And we're at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter, but we've put all the details on our website. So go to Offside Rule Podcast. Dot com and you can go and vote there and we'd be ever so grateful, wouldn't we, girls? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, thanks for doing that. And also, we're out every Thursday. A reminder that you can download from iTunes as well as Audio Boo, and we will be back next week. But before we go... Just want to add a little something to look out for. This may have happened by the time the podcast comes out. I don't like to date these things, but what about this? One Direction's Lewis Tomlinson is about to make his footballing debut. This is on a debut theme. Yeah, here we go. He's 21 years old. He's going to be playing in a reserve game against Scunthorpe for Doncaster. He's actually been signed genuinely on a non-contract. This is not April Fool's. He's genuinely been signed up. He had trials and was a footballer before he actually went to his X Factor auditions and made it through with the with the band. 
And just being a millionaire pop star loved by thousands of young screaming girls isn't enough for him. He wants to be a footballer as well, so we'll see. Maybe after this sickness and <laughs> we saw what happened with that testimonial for Gabby Stillian Gabby had gone tackle, yeah. yeah. That was a nothing tackle. That happens all the time. If he can't mm. take that, then he's not going to... I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not done. You know that shirt that he wore that he was sick on? It sold for over £4,000 at auction for charity. Yeah, genuinely. So we'll wait to see if that debut happens and, and we'll update you on that in the next pod. I'm probably going to get abuse from One Directioners for saying that he won't man up. Or he oh, we, up. we all fear that, don't yeah. worry. Uh, <laughs> the sceptic in me as well thinks that with Donny... Is this all a ploy for Donny to get a few more through the gate? Yeah. I wonder if he'd get a start if he wasn't in one direction. But, you know, I don't want to take anything away from his football playing ability, but we're now on par, Sam. I might get some tweets too. (laughs) Most famous reserve game ever this decade. There we go. (laughs) Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you again next week. The Offside Rule, we get it. 